Uh, so what do you guys want to do that is like been super hilarious lately for the intro? <laughs> what what kind of hilarious, lighthearted uh, things have been going on for you for the last week or two or so? Yeah. Man, I'm just walking into places with my nose and my mouth out, you know? Mm-hmm. Just dancing on clouds the last few weeks. It's been tight. <laughs> I've been loving it. You know, making good decisions, not catching any virus myself. It's been it's been great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it is it is it is a hard time to like try and uh, pluck any levity out of uh, current current events. It seems it's back to the last two years of the show where it's like. We did nothing. We talked about nothing but one topic all uh -huh. the time. And even uh -huh. topics that weren't that topic had to tie into that topic somehow. And we're back. We're back to it. Back. You know, I had a, um, I had a memory on Facebook come up today that was the three of us, Shannon, Skyler, and myself, uh, two years ago recording an episode together at Skylar's house, which I believe was the last, Aww. one of the last ones we did. Well, actually, maybe not one of the last ones, but, uh, you know, one of the last ones we did in person before all of this started. Those were the days. Mm -hmm. It is wild that we are coming up on two years of this pandemic. That is absolutely insane. Yeah. We look great. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I feel great, so. Oh. So that's cool. Yeah. Mm hmm. Definitely didn't drag myself out of bed for this this one today. Wow. <laughs> it's good to be back, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's just do it. All right. Voices, the things they said. Voices, I'm from those days. All the voices heard. Voices, things we say. Voices. Hello, everyone. You have Kempa. And you have Skylar. And you have Shannon. And no flow today. That's the big mystery of the day. Uh, <laughs> yeah, flow, no call, no showed. Which is like, that has never happened. Ever. Uh, so, you know. What's going to end up happening? Well, I mean, it's going to be a thing where she's like, listen, you assholes. Remember when I told you that I couldn't be on the first show back? Uh-huh. And we're all gonna be like, nope. there's like no, half of me thinks we that we were all hammered when you said that flow. <laughs> we very possibly all could have been completely drunk. Yeah, and I was <laughs> racking my brains wondering if like, did she tell us two weeks ago, and I just don't remember? And <sighs> yeah, well, hopefully she no call no showed because she's having a really really good time somewhere. Yeah, that is my I hope my so. hope for flow. That's what I'm hoping. I think it, I hope it's like, uh, <clears throat> you know what? I'm just tuning out doing. You know, yep. doing They'll my figure it out. acro yoga with Sheriff Jones and, uh, you know. That is 100% what she's doing right now. I think yeah, that's it. Is, her and Sheriff Jones are like lying there in Shavasana right now. Mm -hmm. God, they're so <laughs> fucking relaxed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, now that we figured that out. Um, yeah. Well, good to see your two shiny faces uh, after a month off. How we feeling? <laughs> I mean, not great. It's not not it's not been the best. I mean, honestly, like it's been like to be to be completely fair and not be completely doom and gloom about it. Um, I did manage to see family during the time that we were off, and I I did I I flew to I have family in Tennessee, so I flew out there to see them. Like basically. Right when we were starting to hear the phrase Omicron, I was like, well, it's probably okay. And like went out and then while I was in Tennessee was like, <laughs> like it felt like it kind of ramped up a little bit. I was like, oh, uh oh, yeah, <laughs> I guess I got to fly back. That was when 
when COVID first hit the U.S. in March 2020, I don't know if you two remember, I was back in, in Tennessee as well. Oh, I do remember that. <laughs> and I remember feeling that exact same feeling. Like, I don't think I should be in Tennessee right now. Maybe we all have to stop going to Tennessee. Never been. Yeah. So I guess I just won't go. Yeah. Well, we just don't, we don't want another one of these. You know, pie comes next after Omicron. And you know how long <laughs> that goes. Honestly, on and on and well, on and on. Here's the Twitter question. joke I saw. <laughs> which, which one? Well, you know, this is. I think this is maybe a spoiler alert. But Shannon, which one are you holding out for? What's the strain? Oh, uh, like which one I'm gonna get? Yeah. Oh, I, God, I don't know. I haven't thought the one. I don't know. Why do I feel so on the spot right now? I want the one that's going to make me money. Ooh. There's going to be one of those? <laughs> I I mean, but there might be. What? We don't know what the new variant is. It's going to like force do. it's going to like force me in my house and then I'm going to have to like get a OnlyFans and then I'm going to make a hell of money. I was forced in my house for 2 years and I never started an OnlyFans. I don't know if Well, any... some people, you know, everybody got choices. And, um, and bills and bills. (laughs) I don't want any of them. I don't go anywhere because I don't want any of them. (laughs) So you got, you know that I got it. I got the Omarion. You got got, Omarion. Yeah. Um, a few weeks ago and it was one of those things where like it was starting to surge through California and I was like. Mm, I kind of feel like I'm not starting like I I probably should go into full hermit mode again. And I was kind of dragging my feet on that and still doing the things I was used to doing now. And um, I don't know. I don't know when or how I was exposed, but but I got it. Um, And thankfully, it was like a very, very mild case. I think I was a little tired for two days. I just slept more than I usually do. Like, like, hey, why am I so tired? I just took a nap three hours ago type stuff. And then I was sneezy for five days. So the symptoms for me were different from previous, what people were saying the previous iteration was. Really no upper respiratory stuff for me at all. So I felt very what about lucky. taste and smell? Did you get any of that? Totally fine. Like, yeah, I think. No? Um, yeah. Uh, you never lost taste or smell? No, so far as I know. Maybe I never had taste. Or smell, yeah. Or smell. <laughs> Entirely possible. <laughs> uh, and, yeah. It would be wild at this point in your life to find out that you've never actually smelled anything and you've just thought that you were smelling things. That your brain is totally And then totally to have a procedure that makes it so that you can actually smell things. I think that would be wild. I'm yeah. just saying, just for the record, I think that would be a crazy thing. To have. <laughs> I, I would like to put on the record, please. I think, <laughs> I think somebody should make a movie about that. Anyway. <laughs> and it's just called <laughs> taste. It's just, yeah. Uh, well, it's like so me I like four smell. years ago at age like, you know, th- 33 learning <clears throat> that I'm allergic to shellfish after describing what it does to me when I eat shrimp to someone, you know, that late in life yeah. making that kind of realization. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, I'm glad that you got that it was easy for you or like easy-ish, you yeah, know, as far as things go, because there are a significant number of people mm-hmm. who are having a very different experience with Omicron. Yeah, let's talk about I, I mean, this is going to be this was obviously walking into today going to be one of our central topics today. Uh, the Omicron surge, what that means, what it's been doing. Right. Um So as we've seen in California, it has really exploded throughout the state. Um, When you look at testing numbers, the percentages of positive tests, uh, like the last week's average is well over 20%, 22% of tests were positive, um, which, you know, this is comparing to just a couple, a few months ago when it was like 2% of tests, 1% of tests uh, were coming back positive. So it, this... This particular variant is just blasting through uh, the country. It's very, very contagious. Um, Part of me wonders if it's, you know, the fact that I was sneezing so much, I'm sure that sort of helps keep things airborne, right? Mm -hmm. Um, 
And, you know, we're finding that it is is much more contagious than any previous variant by by factors of I think it was like 2.5 or something. Um, it feels like more than that, because it feels like I went from knowing like a handful of people who have had covid to now like I'm sure this isn't right, but I feel like 25 percent of the people that I know have had it now. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, I mean, I've been a close like, contact more times than I can count, like in yeah. January and we're only 17 days in upon recording this show. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, the <laughs> this quickness with which it spreads, it, it it's sort of magnified because it's like, let's say for every person who gets, you know, Delta, two people will get it. And then for this, every one person, four people get it, you know, then those four people give it to four people. And suddenly that's right. just magnified and magnified and magnified. Mm -hmm. right, um, right. But yeah, I feel like the exact same thing. A lot of people I know have been um, a lot of folks I know have have gotten sick with it. Thankfully, for the vast majority of them, it, they've been mild cases, which is the other side of the Omicron coin, which is that for a lot of folks, if they're vaccinated, if they don't have, um, you know, existing conditions with uh, their um, man, I really wish we had the epidemiologist on this episode. <laughs> right. I know. I know. I was just going to say, too, I think like I, my understanding of it and another reason why it's dangerous, even though so many people are having an easier time with it, is that. This is how like variants get created by the thing passing around between people. And if it's like transmitting at that kind of a rate, then we're going to have some. I mean, I, I, I my understanding is that we may be uh, on deck for some wild variants. Yeah. We're just, after this. Well, yeah. A let, lifetime of variants. Yeah. I mean, the same way that we have a lifetime of flu and cold variants. Right. right? right. Um, but. And hopefully that will be as bad as it is, but it there's like, God, I wish Flo was here because I don't, I hear a lot of talk about like, oh, like it's working itself out. It's going to work itself out into the flu and it will be ever present, but it will just be like a flu season. Um, and people are using that as kind of a reason to melt, you know, be mellow about it. And like, I, man, I wish Flo was here because I don't know if that's true. I don't know if there's any reason not to think that like, an even more contagious and very deadly strain is coming next. You know, like I don't, there doesn't, I, to, my understanding is that these things don't mutate in like a predictable curve like that. Sure. Um, but I'm not an yeah. epidemiologist. What, what, what I think towards the beginning of the pandemic, the now canceled uh, New York times reporter who covered this said that it behooves a virus not to kill its host. Right. Um, so hopefully as more and more iterations come through, the most successful ones will be the ones that don't kill their hosts because they'll be able to keep hopping to other hosts. Right. Um, I think, yeah, I think there's a lot we don't know though. And so like that doesn't, you know, some years there are worse flus than there are other years. Right. And it's, yeah, it true. just, it goes one, it goes both ways. Um, you know, with this one, with how wildly contagious it was, we we are, I think, lucky that it was not as it isn't as severe on a per capita basis as the previous variants were. Because if it were, uh, our it, we would just be totally unable systemically to take care of one another uh, with the same severity as like a Delta, right? Um, now, all of this is to say, like, that doesn't mean it's not a terrible surge right now, just because by the sheer numbers of people who are testing positive, which includes a good number of, uh, you know, vaccinated folks as well, just because those numbers are so high, there are people with uh, immune systems that are compromised, there are people who, you know, have not gotten vaccinated there are populations that are severely vulnerable who we don't see on a day-to-day -day basis our jails there there is an outbreak in the sacramento county jails we don't see them on the day-to-day -day basis on what they're going through uh our our um you know uh, retirement homes you know places like that we don't see how quickly it's passing through there um and we're already seeing this week that even if this is a weaker variant all of the hospitals throughout the state and in our county are already at levels almost equal to the 
worst of the worst in our hospitals uh, in December, January of last year, right? That um, SAC B piece that we read talks about a fifth of Sacramento County's uh, just over 2,800 licensed hospital beds are now being occupied by patients with lab-confirmed COVID-19. Um, and I think that, like, that's the thing that is so worrisome because we have so many folks that um, are incredibly vulnerable, and to them, this is not a milder illness. This is not a weaker variant. This is, this continues to be, you know, we're going into the second year of a life-threatening pandemic that is just out there doing its thing, but the potential for hospital beds being at capacity because of the rate at which Omicron is um, infecting people is like, what, what do we do if those, if beds are completely full again. I mean, well, we, you know, that in March or in spring 2020, we dealt with this and there were fewer people infected at that time. Sorry, Skylar, go ahead. No, no, no. I, I was just going to say, I think like another thing that it, like, we've said on the show before, but bears repeating is that like the problem, of course, with hospitals filling up and overflowing is it's not just the folks who are who are dying of the actual virus itself it's everybody else who needs the hospital for whatever reason for just right. kind of normal every day-to-day reasons and that resource is not there for them so yeah. like it's folks who are getting needed surgeries rescheduled you know it's it's time sensitive uh, things like cancer like uh, ERs are are overflowing right now because everybody's going because they have COVID, right? But that, I mean, that means that if you get into a car accident, you are much less likely to get the the care and the treatment you need in the time that you need it, right? Because every ER is 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 booked full. Yep. And LA um, County was finding that uh, already. You know, ambulances are waiting outside their hospitals for like forty four minutes right now. They're doing. When- it's happening here too. Yeah, and this is just to get folks in the building, uh, yeah. and this right. is this is far beyond what sort of the 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 general standard is. Um, and let's keep this in mind too. Like all of this is happening, we're matching all the records from last winter's surge, which was the worst that of the worst from what we saw of the virus in the last two years. The hospital rates and the death rates. Those come a week, two weeks, three weeks after the apex of a surge, which is like we're kind of in the apex of the surge right now. So, like, it's only going to get more crowded in our hospitals. I think the other part of this is the the folks, the healthcare workers who are in the hospitals and uh, get sick with the virus and can't come to work and or now they can because of the new you know, the new um, mandates on, like, you can be positive and go to work. Right. After five days. After five days. If your symptoms are improved and you don't have a fever, even if you test positive, you can get back because there's, it's just such an emergency. We need people in these positions. They're like, just wear a KN95 mask and get back to work. And the, uh, that other, the other part of that, I think what reminded me of this is you talking about emergency response. And I mean, I had a a situation last week, I think it was, maybe it was the week before I had to call, um, medics and it like, what was explained to me was we have this many ambulances, which is so many fewer than we generally do. Like this is not a life threatening situation. We've got to come up with an alternative to get this person medical attention. Like, so it's basically like, I'm sorry, no, we can't send an ambulance. Yeah, like we're not calling an ambulance right away. Where we make that determination yeah. upon triage, like, and that's whether or not that continues to be the case. I don't know. Um, and there's also the the part of this which is like when you're dealing when you're dealing with sorry when you're working with people. With unhoused folks, there tends to be that like stigma, right? And that right. like they're not automatically going to do the things that potentially need to be done. Um, but right, they won't give them the care that they might give a housed person. Right. But all of that said, the facts of 
like the next day was when the B released that um, report. I think T. Clift wrote it. It was mm-hmm. about ambulances waiting outside of hospitals for, in some cases, more than an hour. Like that's bananas. This is wild. Yeah, it is, and it also the thing that the thing that makes it like. I don't know. One of the things that feels very different this time as compared to the last time that we were spiking really bad and hospitals were filling up is that it felt like it felt like the government and the CDC were taking it a lot more seriously than, right. than they are now. Um, the CDC more or less seems to have given up uh, as far as I can yep. tell. Um, this five day thing. I mean, I get it. I get, you know, for for healthcare workers, you know, like, I mean, I, I understand the compunction. But for everybody else to 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 send out the the thing that okay yeah five days whatever wear a mask if you test positive is like I mean didn't they I, like I just I they feel bent like, to like an airliner asking them us. to do that right yeah isn't that it's the CEO of Delta I think great I hope it's not Delta yeah. is Astronaut? it Delta. I think it might be Delta. I don't know. Don't don't uh, don't take my word for that, though. So, I'm going to get rid of that Amex and now. We talk about this, you know, these rules that are changing with how folks can return to work and how the CDC is um, managing or, you know, in my opinion, mismanaging this pandemic. And this what what my experience has been thus far is that with this with the current variant the rate of transmission is so high and because of that so many people are going to test right the pcr tests so labs are backed up so you're testing on a tuesday potentially not getting your results back until a saturday mm-hmm. and you're asymptomatic but on saturday you get your test your PCR test results back and you're positive and you've just been living your life. You've just right. been doing the thing because like, you had um, no symptoms and that's what they said. Because you had no symptoms. Right. And the, it's just, it's such a giant clusterfuck of like the shit show is beyond. Yeah. I, it's beyond. It, I just can't. It's a massive systemic failure. Um, And it's like there's plenty of blame to go all around. Uh, Obviously, I think it goes all the way up within our country to the president. Right. Um, But real quick, real quick, just just as a thought exercise, what what do you think the narrative from like the New York Times would be right now if Trump were the president? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And meanwhile, when the Biden administration says these things, folks give him the benefit of the doubt, um, even though he's making a lot of these decisions based on the same same thoughts Trump had over like, well, we got to get businesses up and running again. This is going to hurt my it's going to hurt my approval rating if we don't get get the economy moving again. Like, right. Well, two. OK, two things about this. This is one. This is when the left was yelling at the libs in the last uh, primary about, like, if Biden gets elected, you got to stay engaged and you have to you have to stay on top of him. You have to pull him to the left. If if you guys just go to brunch, things are going to go to shit. Here we are. Here we are. Right. This is the this is a great example. I mean, it is like, you know, it's it's a it's a wild ass, crazy once in a lifetime event right the pandemic but like it really really underscores how like if you if you treat politics like sports and you just pick your team and you just back up that team no matter what that is how we get into situations where yeah like biden is doing but i don't i legitimately don't think that like in terms of pandemic response trump would be doing anything that different from what joe biden is doing but people are just kind of like well i guess that's how it is rather than being pissed and they should be pissed like this the last time things were spiking this bad we were doing stimulus checks and like the government was like reaching out to be like hey like here's how like let's do what we can to assist you so that you can stay safe and that has completely just shifted and to like throw yourself into the grinder and sacrifice yourself to the economy, which is exactly what Trump would be doing. It's just wrapped in a blue flag now. So people yeah. aren't pissed about it. He's, you know? he's right. less yelly and, and the things he says are less like headliney, st- stupid. Uh, right. He, 
No, I mean, that's it. It's systemic failure. Yeah. It, it is failure on a grand scale from top to bottom. Um, and it, you know, it, it speaks to our, our for-profit private medical industry. Um, you know, one thing I guess that, that when you look at, I, you know, California has a very robust, uh, COVID tracking page, covid19.ca.gov, uh, forward slash state dash dashboard, um, and on this, you know, it does show you that vaccination, it's very important to get vaccinated. Like, I, we, I don't want to forget that with folks. Mm -hmm. You're much more likely to get this variant, even if you're vaccinated. Uh, I am uh, case in point, right? But it's still, if you're able to get vaccinated, it will protect you so much more than if you're not. Um, the COVID tracking page says currently... Um, unvaccinated people are are still about four times more likely to get COVID-19 than fully vaccinated people. Um, unvaccinated people are eight times more likely to be hospitalized with COVID. Now, this is this is during a time when you're going to be fighting for a bed right now. Right. Um, and then on top of that, Unvaccinated people are about 21 times more likely to die from COVID-19 than fully vaccinated people. So I also just want to I want to drive that all home there because there's a lot of people, um, you know, some some people even in like the the progressive circles, like just saying some straight up untruths, saying like, why did you get vaccinated? It doesn't do anything. Oh, it does something and it can save your life. Right. It's not black and white. It's right. not either or. It's not you get the shot and you're completely safe. It's like everything else. It's more nuanced than that. And they and it's on a spectrum. And it just if you get the vaccine, it moves you into a very different area of the spectrum of danger that you can expect to be in if you can track the thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. My um, so a friend of a friend is a nurse here, uh, in the county, and she her whole floor is overrun with COVID patients now, and she had a guy come in who's like pretty young, like late fifties, um, really nice guy, and after a few days of him being there, he got kind of pensive and quiet, and he said to her like, "I listened to the wrong people," and he's like as soon as I'm out of here, I'm going to get vaccinated. And uh, he didn't have a chance to. He died a few days later. Uh, and like, I don't I don't think we should spike the football the way that a lot of the neolibs are doing uh, on this stuff. Like, I don't think, I don't know. Like, it, it, stuff like that is just like, it's really sad to me because these are a lot of regular people that just, the the outlets they chose long ago are the ones that told them not to do it and now here they are again politics is sports right yeah 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 i think one of the the i mean there's a lot of dangerous messaging out there but one of the really dangerous things that i've heard from progressives is that very thing which is don't why like i don't know why i got this vaccine anyway because I got COVID like from people who end up with the virus and it's this like inability to connect that prior to a vaccine like they're the likelihood of you dying was through the roof right if you got the virus and the vaccine has created a situation where you can recover at home where many people can recover at home certainly not everyone um and where the symptoms are in some cases quite mild for people um and i like that the vaccine being the golden ticket to you being able to live your very comfortable life i think is like the thing that needs we need to like shake out because it's not like as long as there are hundreds of thousands of millions of people suffering to make it like through this pandemic in spaces that are uh, rich and poor, this is not like, like we got to figure out a way to be in this together, which I know is a long 
fucking long shot because because it is for all the reasons that we do this show. It's a long yeah. shot, but I don't know. I think in all of this, it's like if there were a magic wand that couldn't cure the virus, but could do get rid of the virus, but could do something like making sure that there was like succinct and effective messaging around vaccinations would be among my top choices. Yeah. Well, you know, I don't know if there's like a call to action on this. We all know the drill. What We all know what we should be doing during a surge like this, right? Um, and I guess the only good news we have is this variant and with a, with a variant that moves this quickly, um, the speed at which the surge came uh, should be matched if what we saw in South Africa is any indicator with the speed with which uh, the surge will go down because honestly, there's only so many people who can get it at this point. Um, that doesn't mean we're not going to see a whole lot of very difficult scenes at our hospitals in the coming weeks. Um, and I, I, Wait, what do you mean? There's only so many people who can get it. Well, um, it just, people get it at such a rate and, and the, you know, like we were seeing, I think over the average over the last week was like 22.3% positives on the test. Um, I think it might've been more recently something much, much higher on a given day, even locally here. Um, it just is, it's blasting through communities where everyone's exposed. It doesn't mean everyone gets it, but everyone is exposed. Um, and you know, there's a lot of people who did get it, who are totally asymptomatic, who will never get tested. Um, and that's, I believe that is how it went through South Africa, which is why the surge, you know, it went so high so fast and then it went back down so fast because once, you know, once so many of us, I already got it, you know, three weeks ago. Right. So like, even if it's bouncing off me out in the community, it's not, I'm not going to get it. And then I won't be able to give it to other people again. And sooner or later, it just dies out like that. Right. Um, science is wild. Yeah. I do remember in the New York Times did the little balls bouncing against yeah. each other and they changed each yeah. other's yeah. colors. Yeah. I'm a I'm like a gray ball now. I don't I don't matter in this um situation anymore. In this one, yeah. we'll see once we get to once once pie rolls around. See it, yeah, see in ninety days. Yep. Um, <laughs> I know. Uh, yeah. So anything, any positive notes, any, <laughs> any affirmations or calls to action at this point? It's two years in, like, what do you say? Any affirmations? I know. <laughs> I know. I had a, I had an incident where, um, I was at, I did, I went to a gathering and it was outdoors. Um, but I got the word that someone there, um, had tested positive. So, I, you know, went and got my PCR and while I was waiting for the results and also my, my partner, Frida had somebody test positive at her work and we found out about the same time. So we went and got, um, PCR test Monday on Monday and we didn't get the results until like Friday afternoon. So mm -hmm. we basically quarantined under the assumption, you know, that I mean, kind of that you have to be under that, like I have this thing, you know, right. um, until you get your results and man, I like going back in and sheltering in place again, even just for five days was like torturous for me. I like, I really had like a difficult time with it and like, like, oh, like weird, like weirdly difficult. Like I was kind of like, why am I, why am I this upset about it? And I do think a lot of it has to do with burnout, right? Like a lot of it is mm -hmm. just like, come on, are we still doing this? Like, yeah. I don't know. It's yep. it's a bumpy ride and like and and who dude, who the fuck knows where we are on the ride, you know, in terms of being towards the beginning or the end, you know? Yeah. I don't know. When I got it, um Chelsea, my partner had to quarantine with me, obviously. Uh, I believe we both had it and I made it through those days just like basically annoying her for 5 days straight. Um <laughs> <laughs> and she was a great sport uh but yeah um i don't think she can handle a second round of that so i hope 
I don't want to get this. I don't want this to come through again. I'm so tired, you all. I know. Yeah, I, I think. Really, I mean, really I think that's kind of how everybody feels, you know. And like, fortunately, <laughs> I think like. I think we're in a community of people who are like, even though we're tired, we should still do the right thing. But there are a lot of people who are like, you know what? I'm tired of this. Yeah. I'm I'm done with all precautions. You mm -hmm. know? Yeah. And as long as there's folks who are doing that, I think we're just going to, this is going to be how it is. You know? Yeah. Well, and that, you know, I think we did as best we could without our resident epidemiologist today. I don't think it was terrible. I think, I think we did pretty well. I'm sure she'll tell us. <laughs> I hope so. Yeah, that'll be the next episode. <laughs> yeah. Like, here's Which everything. Like, here's all the playing shit you this got episode wrong. back and just being like, pause. This is wrong because X, Y, and Z. <laughs> Literally everything you said last week was incorrect. Um, we look forward to that flow. You know, it, this topic, obviously, it shows us um, a complete systemic failure. Um, I think it shows us a failure also of our electoral system, uh, particularly on a national level. Um, it shows us the uh, complete abject failure of a for-profit medical system um, where people who deserve care have been afraid to go and get it. Um, and even when the care is free or when a thing is free, like let's say a COVID test, people are still afraid to go get that because they don't believe it. They're so used to hitting costs. They're so used to getting blasted with like $600 for nothing, right? Um, that there's a very important piece of legislation going through California in our new spring session that uh, I thought tied in very nicely uh, with, with our initial conversation here. And that is universal single-payer health care AB 1400, uh, I believe that was introduced by Assemblymember Ash Kalra, uh, one of the real ones, one of the real progressives up there at the state capitol. <clears throat> um, and uh, really good news, last week it passed through the Assembly Health Committee. Um, and you never know with these committees. Uh, a lot of these conversations are behind closed doors. Um, they let things die in committees so that they don't have to vote on these things, especially something like this when it's capitalist Democrats whose you know bread is buttered by the health insurance companies. So when it's going through committee, that's when it's really in danger of, of dying. Um, and it passed. Uh, I believe the vote was 11 to 3. It passed through the health committee for the assembly. It is now going through the Assembly Appropriations Committee. Um, and I believe that will be Thursday, January 20th, uh, that we'll see what happens there. And if it passes through appropriations, which appropriations is scary, that's always where bills go to die, because the question is, can we afford it, right? That's what appropriations is about. And a lot of people in those committees just let these things die if they just don't want to vote on it. But this is another committee. That's another 14-person committee, 10 Democrats, 4 Republicans. It should be a home run. Ostensibly, it would be a home run. But we know what California Democrats and what Democrats in general are like, right? When right. someone pays for their campaigns, they're going to do what they want them to do. Mm -hmm. uh, that includes these for-profit insurance companies. Can someone just, like, briefly talk about, like, why is single-payer important? Um, because... Governor Newsom came out saying like, hey, I've got this great thing. We're going to make it so undocumented people can have access to health care. And everyone's looking at that and they're like, well, I mean, yeah, fine. But like we're trying to pass single payer right now. Like that will cover all of that. Right. Right. I mean, let me let me start out by saying that I um, my bitter pessimistic heart uh is warmed by how well uh ab uh 1400 seems to be doing i mean i honest like i'm gonna be honest i am shocked to see it doing as well um as it is doing i still am uh too much of a cynic and too distrustful of california democrats to think that to be like getting ready to celebrate on it um uh but I think it like it's a good step that it's gotten this far and that and that people are going for it. Yeah. 
you know, single payer is, I, I guess I just wanted to say like, what, what is it, right? Because maybe not yeah. everybody knows what it is. It is basically that every member of the community um, pays in their taxes to a, you know, sort of massive, like, this is all going towards our collective health, our healthcare system. And once we all do that, then every time you walk into a doctor's office, no matter what, no matter what you're there for, you pay for nothing. Right. Ever. It's like, I think the easiest way, the easiest comparison to make, and maybe the, I, maybe there are things about this that are inconsistent, but like to me, like to me, the easiest way to describe it is that it's like the police or fire, right? Like, it's just a thing. If you need it, it's there. And they don't, you know, the cops don't give you a bill uh, after they come to your house, you know, it's just covered because we all put into the pot. Um, yes. I mean, that's a, and that's kind of how that works. That's a great way to put it. Uh, even if you hate cops, like you get it right. Like right. A, a, a huge chunk of our tax dollars, as we all know, thanks to the you know Sacramento people's budget goes to the cops in our city. Um, now, this is for, you know, public safety, quote unquote. But like this would be f on a state level and for health and Honestly, the vast majority of it would be paid by our billionaires and our multimillionaires in our state. Um, so, yes, it would take a bigger chunk of your money out of your paycheck, but also you and your employer would not be paying for an insurance provider. And right. in the end, a system like this allows us to do proactive medicine where we're, we're taking precautions for ourselves when it's like, hey, you know, in my family, you know, sometimes people get skin cancer. Then I start proactively going to the dermatologist because I'm not afraid of hidden fees or anything like that. Right. Then the dermatologist finds something very small, excises it, and now I don't have to go through years of, you know, uh, like chemotherapy or something, right? Mm -hmm. um, this is something that in the long run, it is smart financially. And the only reason, the only reason we as a country in the United States are the only like, like major global uh, player that does not have single payer is because we are the most, uh, really the most distorted, vile version of capitalism that the world has ever seen. And so our private insurance industry uh, maintains this system so that they can profit off of our ailments. Yeah, I mean, I another thing that it does for everybody immediately, I mean, for one, like, let's the being like thinking about American healthcare versus healthcare and like several other, you know, countries of of um, comparable um, economic status uh, is is embarrassing. Like the way, like like if you are like go anywhere on the internet where like like there's an international discussion happening around healthcare and people feel bad for us. They can't right. they can't um, fathom what they we go through here. It. Right, right, exactly. It just seems like barbarism, and it is. It is. I mean, and that's that is the correct. Uh, way to feel about it because it is. I mean, another thing that, you know, people like in Canada, for instance, don't, you know, have to deal with is that like a huge reason why people get stuck in jobs that they don't want to be in is because of healthcare, because like, you know, somebody's wife is sick and needs care and their healthcare is tied to their work. Right. Um, and it just, it, it tethers people and it gives your work even more power over you. And this is another thing. I mean, just as a worker, uh, that makes you more autonomous um, and and allows you to to pick work based on on whether you want it versus whether you need it, right? Yeah, I think like the frustrating thing about all of this is the like the continuation of um, uplifting like universal healthcare as the thing that we should aspire to when like access to healthcare is cool, but having it paid for is cooler. Like, right. So access to healthcare is thoughts and prayers. The Democrat version. 100%. It's like, it's completely, it's completely meaningless. It's like, no, nah, we're just going to keep doing the same thing. Right. But you'll have, it's like, you know, affordable housing. Like, totally. Uh, Afford like what does that even mean? That's like that's a completely meaningless uh, thing. To it's say. like yeah. when you because you still end up with these like 
premiums and out of pocket um, expenses and like your means testing. And like, like am I poor that. enough it's, to get this, or am I too rich to ha- you know right. get this care? And it's your backwards. employer can also your employer then can like depending on how shitty they are, they can then choose like a healthcare package that is technically affordable because it only costs a certain amount per person. But if you were to go to the hospital, it's going to cost you the worker so much more than it ever cost them. Right. So like we have, there are so many different angles that a single payer system um, just works better for people, right? Or that's that was a terrible sentence. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're working out the kinks. Our first episode, back. I guess I've forgotten how to speak in the month off. Um, just that there are so many different ways that we can unpack the benefits of a single payer system for everyone, yeah. like including the asshole gazillionaires, right? Like you get to you get to keep your money, dude. Like. Sure, we all have to pay higher taxes, but those taxes don't hit you the same way as they hit any of us anyway. So we're still paying. When people are like, when people when people complain about paying higher taxes, I'm just like, but you don't have to pay insurance premiums, right? Like, right? It's like I don't understand how that doesn't compute for people. Who who do you think is paying the bill? For the ambulance ride for the unhoused person who's having right. an emergency right now because they can't do proactive care. Or right. all the uninsured people who just have to use the emergency room as their only like access to a hospital because of how the system is set up and can't pay for and it. And they will never be able like, to pay for it. Who do you think is paying for right. it? Like, it's it's right. coming back to all we of us. We already right. pay for each other. Yes. Right. Um, yeah, totally. Uh, I, uh, let's talk a little bit about what's happening in the Capitol building then. Um, you know, Governor Newsom came out with that that one thing saying like, hey, we're going to help expand health care for all these folks when he's obviously trying to do this sort of like shimmering thing in front of the fact that he's afraid or refuses to. You know, he goes to dinner at like French Laundry with these insurance company CEOs, <laughs> right? Like... <laughs> He doesn't want to support single payer right now. Um, and so he's he's bringing this thing forward, just saying like, hey, isn't this nice? And like, really what folks should be saying is, no, it's not. It's not good enough. This is not what you wanted. That's not what you promised. It's definitely not what we wanted. He promised when he first ran for governor in 2017, he was saying this, that he was going to fight for and achieve single payer health care in the state of California. And now he's stepping back on that. And honestly, if he could. Well, and he also got a lot of people to go out and campaign for him. Like all the nurses like got into buses, drove all up and down the state to campaign for him because he was running on single payer health care. Right. And do not mess with the nurses. They will fuck your shit up. They will come for you. So so he's he's doing it. He's trying to mess with them. Um, and he knows he's in a good political space because he already beat the Republicans on the recall election. I would really like to know, is there a good progressive that we could trot out to challenge him um, in, you know, in his in his election this year? I want to see somebody who is fighting for single payer. I, we need someone who could push him left, you know, Um but in the meantime, the way to get to this, I think, is taken to the streets, which is not easy right now, which I understand. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do think that increasingly taken to the streets is going to be the thing that will sway politicians. You let them know how many more of you there are of them. You let them know where the will of the people is, what issues that they want to get past, because Gavin does not care what you want. He cares what his buddies at French Laundry want. And, you know, the next thing to do, especially with something like AB 1400, also keep an eye on ACA 11, which is how we're going to pay for AB 1400. Basically, we're going to try and get that um, uh, out there, hopefully around the same time. But if we pass AB 1400, we force the issue with him. So it gets on his desk and he has to decide, do I sign this or not? And that puts him in a very impossible position because if he vetoes it, that's he's a fucking liar. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) Yeah. But that's also like 
That's like Democrat 101. I mean, right? you're not it's wrong. To like campaign on a bunch of shit, get elected, and then be like, never mind. That's why I <laughs> said that. I said that second to taking to the streets <laughs> because I think this will this will be less effective than taking it to the streets. Like we need to show like massively the the power and anger that people have right now. You know, um, but yeah, I mean. Once we get a good idea of who's voting which way on this, like it, it always helps, you know, it helps, it helps for us, like when it was, when it came down to rent control, then we started seeing people's true colors. Now we know, now we know who the dick bags are, the shit bags, Democrats who are really on the sides of the landlords and who aren't right. Um, and I think with something like AB 1400, that allows us to do the same thing, assuming it gets to the floor, which I really hope it does. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I, I guess the biggie, the call to action for folks is um, to reach out to if your assembly member is on the appro appropriations committee um, mm -hmm. or even if they're not, just reach out to all of them and let them know that you want this to pass. You want this to make it to the floor. Like I said, there's 10 Democrats and four Republicans. I won't say all their names because there's many of them, you know, but uh, that's worth doing. I can put it in the show notes. Um, but beyond that, I don't know, um, any other call to action? That's kind of just where that is right now. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I don't really know. I think it's just kind of, yeah. I mean, I think, I think the best call to action is just to like pay attention and totally watch, like understand what is going on right now. Cause this is a big deal either way, you know, mm -hmm. keep it on your radar and make sure it's on your friends' radars. Yeah. You know, uh, there's a quote going around. We are recording this on um, Martin Luther King Jr. Day, right? Uh, Monday, January 17th. Uh, there was a quote floating around in like a lot of California circles where he said, of all the forms of inequality, injustice in healthcare is the most shocking and inhumane. Um, and I think that's like kind of an important thing to remember in that conversation. Uh, when we talk about the inequities in healthcare, those inequities are very often an economic issue. And when it's an economic and like a class issue, it is 100% falling down along race lines. And when it falls down along race lines, it also falls along lines of uh, immigration status, right? Mm -hmm. uh, all of these things are intertwined. Uh, and that's why this is just a supremely important thing to pass, especially in a time when we're seeing that our medical systems failed. It's failed us completely. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I mean, it, do we want to like, we've got a couple more minutes. Is there any like, do we want to talk a little um, bit about MLKJ? Yeah, I was just gonna say, you know, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I I don't want to be another like white dude in 2022 who's like pontificating about the teachings of Martin Luther King Jr. Um, but one thing that I would like to do just in case anybody has not heard it is just quote this little snippet from letters uh, from the Birmingham jail, just to put it out there. I'm going to, I'm going to quote this quote in the way that he said it um, as, as, as it came out in the letter uh, specifically. I have almost reached the regrettable conclusion that the Negro's great stumbling block in his stride towards freedom is not the white citizen's counselor or the Ku Klux Klanner, but the white moderate, who is more devoted to quote-unquote order than to justice, who prefers a negative peace, which is the absence of tension, to a positive peace, which is the presence of justice. Like... Honestly, this this quote sums up this this quote sums up a lot of my frustration with um, with Democrats and and the libs. To be, I mean, I don't think I could, I don't think there's any more concise way to put that. Um, and I really and I and the reason I wanted to read this is because like I don't know. This just seems like it gets more and more relevant every year. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's funny how. How many neo-libs or folks who call themselves progressives, but obviously when 
push comes to shove, pen comes to paper, they show their true colors, um, they're willing to quote him, but like, wh what were they saying two summers ago during the George right. Floyd protests when these right. young people took to the streets and were not messing around and did, you know, force the issue, uh, what were these politicians saying about them? What were they doing? Were they calling them domestic terrorists? What, like, did they, did they sick a violent police force on folks? Um, and, I, and I'm talking about like locally, I'm talking about throughout the state and throughout the country. Um, and yeah. And again, another white dude talking right now, but like, it's, it's just, you know. I think it's also like, like you know, you watch like, you know, Selma or whatever, and nobody sees themselves as like the virulent racist who's like standing on the side and like throwing glass bottles at protesters and sicking dogs on people or whatever. But like, I don't know, like I think every, everybody and now that like Martin Luther King has been like, you know, kind of made into this big legend. And it's like it's like the only socially acceptable opinion to have about him is that he was good. Right. So like, even if you are like kind of a whack racist lib, you have to at least act like you, you know, like the, I have a dream speech, you know? Um, but really I think like, like if you want to know what you would have done, uh, back in the, at, back in the days that Dr. King was active, like if you want to know who you would be in that movie, it's who you were uh, during the George Floyd protests. Like if you were, if you were critiquing the protesters and being like, look, I know that like, you know, this stuff is really bad, but you know, there's just, there's gotta be a better way to do it. And I don't know what that is, but uh, I know that this is really bad. And you know, like if, if that's who, you would have 100% been, um, been opposed to, to Dr. King in his time as well. Um, in my opinion. And now as <laughs> now I'm pontificating as a white man on Martin Luther King Jr. Day. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. I know I was like gonna ask a question, like, well, what about the people who said, like, you know, he preached for peaceful protest? There's like a James Baldwin quote, right? Yeah. Where Baldwin was like, you know, for that to for that to actually work, <laughs> the you you have to believe that the state has a conscience. And I think this state is resoundingly showing it does not. Um, but yeah, anyway. He also said a riot is the language of the unheard. I mean, that's the thing, right? It's so, this is like MLK Day is the day that we get to see a bunch of white folks at white libs take quotes out of context without remembering that Dr. King was anti, an anti-capitalist. He was not for the military. He was an anti-racist. He was... Uh, he was a proponent of universal basic income. Yeah. Like they used to call I him mean, a communist. Right. I mean, this is a guy who is for people over profit. Like, yep. and... There's a lot, I saw a lot of folks who are local to Sacramento who were quoting uh, Dr. King today. And if they actually took some time to sit down and unpack what his phone call would be like to a council meeting, I don't know if they'd be quoting him. Yep. You know, I um, just on a broad level, I'm looking at the year ahead and I think there's going to be a lot of things happening that will continue to force people to show their true colors um, and to show what side of history they're going to be on. Um, and so uh, I couldn't ask for a better group of co-hosts and a better community than the, the rabble rousers in Sacramento. Um, uh, to to watch this happen with um so here's to a 2022 uh with voices and everyone who listens just thank you so much for all you're doing um and thank you so much um i don't know for just 
uh, being out there every day and paying attention to the things that are happening and letting us know when we miss stuff too, uh, because mm -hmm. it's just so, so important. And uh, we can't do any of this without you. Heard that. Should we call well, it? Yeah, I was going to say, speaking of, uh, you know, doing great work, Dave, uh, where, uh, if I wanted to see more of this Great Voices content, uh, where on the internet <coughs> would be a good place for me to go to uh, find? That's such. a fantastic question. I'm glad you asked me. Uh, the place that I like to go is called VoicesRiverCity.com. Uh, that's where you find all of our current iterations, our current episodes, our podcast episodes. Uh, we're also doing the Sack Follows the Money project, which will follow local races and who's giving money to whom in those races, right? So is it developers? Is it, you know, uh, is it a cop? Is it the cannabis industry? We're trying to compile that so you have a good idea of who you will or will not be electing in the upcoming elections. Um, and there's a lot of big ones this year. It's 2022. Uh, we are going to see a new city council. It's going to be a different city council by the time this year is over, um, which could potentially be a good thing. Um, and we could change the face a little bit of the county board of soups. Obviously, there's state races as well. We're trying to pay attention to all those things. I'm getting a little off track. Um, you know, we are on the socials. We're on Facebook, Voices River City, Instagram and Twitter at Voices River City. Uh, if you want to support us for as little as $5 a month, patreon.com slash Voices River City. It helps us do a lot of the things like um, pay for our subscriptions, um, like really just like give us access to the things we need access to so we can tell the stories that that we're able to to you every week. Um, and then uh, what else? I am on Twitter at, you know, Kempa, Y-U-K-N-O-W-K-E-M-P-A. I am guillotine for you. That's guillotine, the number four, Y-O-U. I am uh, Shan N.D. Stevens. Sorry, I swallowed a, a lint. I think I swallowed a lint. A piece of lint. And Dr. Okay. Flo. You can find Flo, Jean. Hopefully, if anybody can ever find Flo again. Where in the uh, world is Dr. Flo? At Flo Jean. F-L-O-J-A-U. And that's it. Thanks, folks. Welcome back. I feel great. It's one of those things we, you know, we've done this before. The show must go on. You got to record the episode, even if you don't feel great going into it. I feel great at the end of the episode. That happens to me so often. So I'm excited. I'm excited for this year. Look at you go.